Crippled Content Creations presents Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability, with your host, Andrew Gerza. Disability After Dark, with Andrew Gerza, shining a bright light on sex and disability. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Well, hello there. Welcome back to Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. I, as always, am your awesome host, Andrew Gerza, and I'm really, really kind of nerdily excited about today's show. Like, for real though, this episode turns me on in a lot of intellectual ways and like organizational ways that I can't even, didn't even start to explain to myself until I started writing down notes for this episode. So I'm really, really kind of excited to share with you what the topic is and let's get right to it. Also, not so coincidentally, this is episode 69 of this program, which for so many reasons, is awesome and sexy and is a great number. And it's just great that this show is even going to, you know, reach that number. That's great. And I want to thank all of you for continuing your support of this show. But really, let's get on to the sexiest topic ever. So I've written about this topic and I've talked about this topic before on other platforms. And I wanted to talk about spontaneity today through a different lens though and it's a lens that I don't think many of us really touch on when we think about spontaneity especially when it comes to sexuality and disability it's not something that we consider to be super sexy and I think that it is super sexy but I want to talk about what that is so I want to talk about spontaneity today through the lens of why planning for sex as a disabled person is so much sexier than the one-off quick like fucks in a bathroom with a random person you don't know. Planning for the sex, in my opinion, has now become one of the hottest things I could ever possibly do, and I want to really bring that to the episode today and talk about why I think planning for sex as a disabled person is really, really sexy. Also, you're going to meet the other side of me today that really gets turned on by research and really gets turned on by, like, planning sexual things out and writing sexual things down so get ready for that just get ready we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna touch on that today so when i typed in scheduling and sex into the google machine i was immediately brought to parental planning websites and i saw a bunch of stuff that told me just how important it is to talk to your teen or young adults with intellectual disabilities about getting pregnant and having a family and the risks involved with that why I want to touch on that first is because, whoa, hello, ableism. Like, wow, again, we're being told almost immediately that if you're going to have, if you're going to, you know, if you're going to have sex and disability, there's a risk. Like, that was one of the first things that came up when I typed in scheduling sex. Like, I immediately got bombarded by websites telling me why having an intellectual child who wants to engage in sex could be dangerous for you and for the child. Um, so wow, I had a, I had a ton of problems with that, but 
in all of that eight, in those eight Google pages that I searched, there was nothing, absolutely nothing about the joy or fabulousness of scheduling sex as a disabled person. When I typed in just scheduling sex, I got um, potential options for married couples who lead busy lives and need to do so, need to schedule their sex because they might lose their partner otherwise, or they may be heading for divorce. There were so many Cosmo and Glamour-esque and like really, really like fluffy articles about why scheduling sex is really important, but only if you're headed towards disaster with your partner and that's the only time you should ever schedule sex and blah, blah, blah. Um, and then on top of that, I also found articles from the stance of the lonely housewife who doesn't want to, quote, whip out the calendar because that isn't sexy and that, like, takes away from her spontaneity with her husband and how she just wants him to fuck her up against a, a shelf. Maybe they can do that, um, that exercise with the sandbag together that we talked about last episode because that's clearly what she wants. But it just, it was so problematic for me. Immediately, I was struck by the fact that the idea of scheduling sex is, in- is instantly considered pathological in nature. And you might be able to make the case then that by having to schedule sex as a disabled person, that sex and disability is, is bad because you can't do it the normal way. Now we, now, we already know that most of society tends to think that sex and disability is bad. But if we're already talking about how scheduling sex is bad, you can see how it wouldn't be so hard to make that link. It again underscores that we should never have to schedule our sex, that normal sex is supposed to be quick and spontaneous and sexy, and that's just not true. And I'm also wondering, why aren't there more articles in the Cosmo magazines and in the big major magazines that talk about the positives to scheduling sex? And there needs to be more articles for the positives to scheduling sex for cripples and gimps and disabled people and why that's so, so necessary and so critically important. We need to write more pieces like that. And I mean, yeah, when I was in college and up until recently, the idea of scheduling sexual encounters as a disabled person felt gross. I too wanted the sexy spontaneousness. I said spontaneousness when I definitely meant to say spontaneity. I too wanted the spontaneity in my intercourse. I craved the pop culture idea of quick queer hookup, and that was considered to me anyway at the time the only kind of sex that I wanted to have and the only kind of sex that I would accept to have when I was in my young 20s and mid-20s. And Again, up until really recently, the idea of spontaneity was the only way that I wanted to have sex. I've talked and written before about the importance of spontaneity in my life as a queer cripple and how precious those moments of being, quote, off the clock or on my time or not bogged down by attendance, caregivers, and scheduling were and how spontaneity was really, really, really important to me. And I'm realizing, oh, just how wrong I was as a queer cripple person. Some of you may be listening to this who are disabled and thinking to yourselves, Andrew, sex and spontaneity is really important to me too, especially when everything I have in my life is already scheduled. First, let me tell those of you who are thinking that right now as, as you're listening to this, 
I get this and I fully understand it from my lived experience as a queer cripple gimp guy. I full I had this is totally the mindset that I had too, and this this is where this is totally what I believed. I have my wake up schedule, so I'm told at what time of the day I have to get up. I'm told what time of the day I have to eat. I'm told what time of the day that I can pee if I want to, and shit really if I'm being quite honest. And I'm told what time I have to go to bed. And my that schedule is rigidly decided by somebody else, and they are very rarely can this schedule be changed. So believe me when I tell you, I understand this one million percent without question. I fully get it. And some of you who are living in these situations are probably nodding your heads right now and thinking, yep, this is totally how my day goes too. And all I want is somebody to grab me, uh, grab me and fuck me up against the shelf, no matter how inaccessible that is. I kind of enjoy this weird callback to that episode last week where you had the sandbag on your feet, but... I, too, sometimes wish that I could do that, um, but that's just not possible. And so I, I understand the rigidity of scheduling and the allure of spontaneity when you're disabled and you just want somebody to take you and, and sweep you off your feet. I get it. When we look at it that way, spontaneity seems amazing. And I put amazing in italics here because spontaneity does seem like this thing that we as disabled people are never, ever, ever going to have. And it just feel, it, the idea of being swept off your feet and taken away from the rigidity and the structure of scheduling just feels like this thing that's going to be so, so awesome. But let me tell you why scheduling for sex can also be just as awesome, maybe even more. There's a lot more to come on this episode of Disability After Dark, but first... We're going to play some ads from our awesome sponsor and some great listeners. So we'll do that and we'll be right back on Disability After Dark, the podcast shining light on sex and disability with your host, Andrew Gerza. This episode of Disability After Dark is brought to you in part by La Petite More. La Petite More is a Hamilton, Ontario, Canada-based sex toy company operated by Haroon Sperling. A 1NB operation, they are committed to body safety, body positivity, and a gender-neutral approach to their toys. Head to petitemore.ca to check them out and be sure to use coupon code AFTERDARK for free shipping at checkout. petitemore.ca, adult, queer, safe. Hi, my name is Michael Leontorno. And I produce AMI-audio's weekly panel discussion show, Open Dialogue. I also listen to Disability After Dark, the podcast to shine a bright light on sex and disability. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by the worker owners of Come As You Are. Come As You Are has the peculiar distinction of being the world's only worker-owned cooperative sex shop. With feminist and anti-capitalist values, Come As You Are only carry sexuality products that they truly believe in at the lowest price possible. Get free shipping at www.comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Hope you enjoyed that little ad break. Thanks so much to the sponsors and for the people who created little listener ads for me. I'd love it if you want to create listener ads about what Disability After Dark means for you and why the show is important, you can always email it to me at andrewandandrewgerza.com and I will make sure to put it in future episodes.
Um, so yeah, let's get on with the show. Okay, so now I'm going to tell you, at least in my experience, why planning for sex as a disabled person is so much better than spontaneity, in my opinion and experience. Um, but I want to preface all of that by saying that in many areas of my life, most areas of my life, in fact, I thrive on disorganization and spontaneity as a professional queer cripple. My desk right now where I'm, where I'm recording this is a mess and is strewn with all these things all over, all around me so that I can reach them. And I keep it that way so that I can reach stuff. And I never, ever write down appointments or anything, even though I totally should be doing that. I never write anything down. I like to pretend like I know everything in my head when really I should totally be way more organized in other areas of my life than I am. Um, So it's not like I'm a complete neat freak who's totally into that which is fine and if you're into that that's great but that's not me in the least i share that to say that i wouldn't normally get off on cleanliness or planning or organization if you will but when it comes to sex and disability for some reason i'm all about it and i'm so it's planning and writing the sex down has definitely become one of my kinks and my friends dick wound and maximus minimus at uh off the cuffs podcast who hopefully are listening to this episode right now will hopefully be smiling about the fact that I've I revealed a new kink to myself writing shit down and it, it's definitely a hardcore exciting kink of mine to write to write stuff down writing stuff down about the sex that I will have as a disabled person and scheduling it via Google Docs gives me both an emotional boner and an actual one so much I literally get excited clacking the keys, writing down the sex I get to have. It activates my nerdy research side of myself, and it also allows me to physically view the document and see that the sex sex and or intimacy I'm engaging in with the partner is actually happening, is deserved, and is real. Seeing it in black and white or other colors if you want to be fancy and and fun and and exciting when when you do your your scheduling, seeing it in whatever color you want helps to deter the internalized ableism. Um, it really helps you, it helps me understand that this is valid, this is important, and you have a place for it because it's written down. So therefore, it takes up space, it takes up time, it takes up, it's tangible now. Once you write it down, once you write down Andrew's having sex with, Andrew's having sex with Mr. X today, it's it's a real thing that really is now put into the to the universe that you put out there and is now and once you put it on paper or a Google Doc you can touch it and it's for real out there in the world it's it's either in digital format or if you can if you have the luxury of being able, able to write for yourself it's down there on in black and white on paper and that's really really I think valuable when you are disabled and often get told that your sexuality is not a valid thing that you get to experience. One of the other important things I think about scheduling sex as a disabled person, and I think this is especially important if you are having the sexy times with a non-disabled person, is also sending them a detailed copy of the sex schedule. I do it a few times with a few of my non-disabled partners. I think this is part of the part of the scheduling is important because they, your partner, can also see the sex they'll be having with a disabled person. 
they'll see it. They'll see that you, the disabled person, if you're the one who's in charge of the scheduling, um, have written down at three o'clock on Tuesday. I'm gonna fuck Mr. X, and then you send it to the, to them via Google Docs or like a text or something, and they can see that they're gonna fuck you, and it, it solidifies for them, I think, that they are that you can then put in context context for them that they're actually going to be having sex with a disabled person with different needs, with different abilities or disabilities, as you will, and they need to be prepared for that as well. It puts it in their mind that, again, having sex with a, with a disabled person isn't, isn't necessarily going to be the same, and they can see that on paper if you write that down. If you write down, you're going to have sex with, like, you know, Andrew today, and Andrew, and some of my nicknames with my partners are, like, are like cripple or I'll get them to call me things like that and they'll get to see it on paper that we're doing this together and it puts it into a reality for them so they can understand what it is that they are getting into and what it is that they're going to have to prepare for. I also leave notes for my lovers in the schedules about the sessions we've had or will have together. I'll put in like what I enjoyed about it, why I want to have another session, why I'm excited to see them again, little notes that just highlight for me the importance of the sex that we will be having and what it means for me so they can again see that it is something that I value and I value my time with them and I think it's a fun way to again make those feelings tangible and less about like oh I'm having all the feelings but I'm but I think writing it down and sharing it with them are with them is really important. I'll admit I'm pretty new to the sex tracking practice if you will, and I, one of the people who, who I found out d- did this quite often is a good friend of mine, Kate Sloan, who runs girlyjuice.net. She's a co-host of the Dildorks podcast. She's pretty much awesome, and she's one of my sexual, like, fairy godmother people who really does. And Kate, if you're listening, I think you're just awesome. You're, you're really fucking fantastic. And I, she wrote an article recently for Glamour where... She tracked her sex life on a spreadsheet, and it literally spoke to so much of my nerdiness, and I want to share with you a little bit of what she wrote, and I'm going to then connect it back to disability. I'm actually not going to read you anything. I'm just going to paraphrase it because there's so much good stuff here. I'd end up just reading you the whole article, but she talks about why you might want to to track your sex and why it's important. And most people ask her why, you know, why would you do this? And she talks about that it's important for STI things. It's important for possible pregnancy or fertility scares. It keeps her abreast of her sexual patterns. And my favorite part, it's a self-esteem booster when I doubt my attractiveness. And for me, as a disabled man, uh, a disabled queer man who often deals with feelings of inadequacy around my body or my attractiveness to look back on on my sex tracker and and say yeah on this day and on this time I had sex and it was great that's really important for me as a disabled guy to see that and to, to know that that happened to again put it in real time I love that she also has different columns in the in her sex chart she has different colors different codes she has a in i'm reading the article here and it says and there's one column for miscellaneous notes which is full of gems like 
extremely stoned, rainy morning butt stuff, and he came, he came with my face. <laughs> I, I'm laughing because I read it, but it's just really cool that she's turned the spreadsheet into almost like into almost like a a, a job of her her sexual her sexual experiences, so she can see what that means for her. And I think one of the other things that she says in the article, I'm just gonna read this last piece. She says. As a devout sex nerd and someone who gets tearily sentimental about intimate experiences, it thrills me to my bones to glance back at my year in sex and see all those white-hot encounters encapsulated in data. Uh, that's how I feel about my sex chart. It's really important to me to document it because it's there and it, it means those experiences mean so much to me and I'm glad that they're in print and I can see them. One of the things that I think are absolutely crucial and one of the things when I pose this question via my social media and ask people to tell me what the importance of planning of planning sex for them as disabled people, I got a lot of the same feedback telling me that it's extremely important and plays into what my needs are before the sex. So for me, for Andrew, I make sure that I've used the washroom, been catheterized, or as I, as I lovingly refer to it, stabbed myself in the dick, taken a poo, showered, etc. This allows me to feel in control of what will be happening and to take even more agency over my body and my sex. It's I, I, I love the the pre all those hours before before the sex happens and all the planning that goes into it and all of the stuff that I have to do because in the back of my mind I'm like I'm doing this so that I can have sex later. I'm doing this so I can suck a big dick later. I'm doing this so I can get somebody off later. This is really it takes on this extra level of importance when it's planned, and I, I have to thank my disability for that. Another reason why I think it's super important to schedule the sex is so that I can let my the staff I'm working with and my attending care workers know about what's happening and why I need to do why I need why I might need to do something a certain way. And I'm starting to really enjoy the aspect of telling my staff why I have to do something a certain way. That also might be another little kink of mine and, and something that I'm kind of getting off on is telling the staff and and so many staff, especially for those of us who live in independent living or assisted living units, so, mon so many of the staff don't talk about sex and disability at all. So when I get to share that this is scheduled and this is important to me, and I'm going to be sucking a dick in five hours, so you have to make sure that I am clean and look good and look okay, and this is why we're doing this. I maybe wouldn't say that, I maybe wouldn't say it so bluntly to the staff, but I would be very honest about why I'm doing this, and I will show them the schedule and say, look, at this time, on this day, I'm doing this. Please, you know, respect that I've written it down. It's part of my schedule, therefore, I need your help with this. It's fucking amazeballs for me to say to them, look, I'm going to be doing this with this person and I need I need help. It's really empowering to show somebody who's been trained and been taught through societal norms that I am to be desexualized to verbally and like tangibly say, look, this is the thing that will be happening to me and say like, nope, you got to help me with this. This is my time. And I've written that shit down. It's really, really empowering and super sexy to be able to say that. Because just like how your able-bodied partners might then get to see the schedule and realize that they're going to be fucking a disabled person or working with a disabled person sexually, um, 
you then also get to show your staff and kind of show them again that you are a sexual being and this is this is something you will do this is the reality here it is and they have to come to terms with that and once you write it down it's out there in the world and there it is for real so i really really enjoyed that part of the scheduling aspect and that part of making of scheduling sex as opposed to like not knowing if it's going to happen how it's going to work and i when i asked people about their ideas on spontaneity they said yeah the idea of spontaneity is great unless I have an accident or unless something happens. When I plan it out, I feel much sexier about my needs, and I really, really appreciate that people felt that way, and that was the reality for so many people who wrote into me sharing their experiences about about planning for sex versus spontaneity. We all think we want it, but you'll find that you do get much more aroused when you know something is coming, and also the anticipation factor is really, really hot. Anticipation is my new kink, I think. Um, it's pretty awesome. And also, for those of you who may have started the episode thinking that everything in your life is scheduled anyway, and kind of the kind of talking about the, the how uncomfortable that is and feeling the discomfort around that, try now to open up the scheduling book. Open I'm sure if you ha- if you're living in a place that has a scheduling book or a scheduling format that you have access to open up the scheduling book and make a column that says the times I want to feel sexy or the times I want to be sexual or the times I want to get off and, and put that in the schedule so that you can feel like you have agency over that. We're so used to many of us, not me, obviously, as I let you know, but many of us are used to writing things down and writing things and having things written down for us. So write down about your sex and take your power back about the sex you're going to have and then the, the planning for it, and then kind of basking the anticipation of it. I also found that if you schedule sex in advance with a partner, and if they tend to forget or ghost you, you can then show them the schedule and be like, hey, on this day at this time, we scheduled this. And I've had partners who have forgotten things or forgotten to write things down, and when I did, they were like, oh, wow, okay, there it is. I see, sorry, like, let me write it down or let me reschedule. Sorry about that. So it also helps for accountability so that then people don't necessarily feel like they can ghost you as easily because you've written it down and you're keeping track of the plans you made and that that at times can feel good you shouldn't use it as a weapon to like hold it over somebody because plans change and things and needs change and desires change but it does keep everybody accountable to the plans they made and the, the things that may or may not happen and when you're disabled that can be really important So go on, pull out your schedule, open up your Google Docs, and write down and start scheduling the kind of sex or intimacy that you want to have. I promise you, it'll turn you on as a disabled person in so many different ways, and you'll you'll look at spontaneity with a whole different light. Alright, so that's another episode of Disability After Dark, and I want to thank you so much for shining a bright light on sex and disability with me. If you want to follow my work, you can head over to www.andrewgerza.com. If you love the show and you're listening to us on iTunes, please, please, please rate and review us so more people can find the show. You can also follow Disability After Dark on all the socials. On Twitter, we're at DisAftDark. That's D-I-S-A-F-T-D-A-R-K-P-O-D on Twitter. Or, of course, you can follow me directly at Andrew Gerza. Or on Facebook at facebook.com slash disabilityafterdark. 
If you want to support the program, you can do so via Patreon. As little as $1 a month helps me keep this show going, and I can't thank you enough for all your support. You can pledge at patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations with music by Chris Ujiuchi. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright Crippled Content Creations 2018